You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, good morning. I want you to know I love this church. I love what God's doing in our church. I love what God is doing in us as individuals. I love corporately how we just are loving our community and our world. And some of the things that I love about our church is I love that in our church we are age diverse. We have people of all ages here. We are racially diverse. Uh, We are in this room hair diverse, right? Amen? We are height diverse in this room right here. Uh, I mean, honestly, as I look out there, we got people who love birds sitting next to people who love cats. And they're sitting next to people who love dogs, but pretty much everybody loves dogs. So, you know, it's a good thing. I think we even have a dog in here today. I see an eye dog that's being trained. And I love our church. I love that, that truly the church, because of Jesus Christ, becomes the ambassador for Christ as the hope of the world. And I believe that we are united, that we are united on mission, that we are united in purpose, that we are united in our values, that we love one another. We love God and we love his word. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I, I love the picture that the church is the ultimate place of reconciliation because when you gather all these differences together all these people together it becomes a beautiful place that we're united under the person of Jesus Christ in this series we are in a five week week five of the series called walls fall down I actually have something kind of special to tell you Uh, in two weeks we're going to have among the things that I've been studying in, in terms of this series for Walls Fall Down, of my study materials, some are from uh, my dad who was an attorney but taught through the book of Joshua back in the day, and a lot are from my own study, but also uh, my former boss, a senior pastor of Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch, California, will be here and he'll be preaching the last weekend of this series and he'll be bringing his book called Walls Fall Down. And his name is Dudley Rutherford. He's my former boss. And this book has been a great resource in studying Joshua 1 through 7 as we've been looking through this series uh, called Walls Fall Down. So he'll be coming and preaching in two weeks. Next week is the women's retreat. Any ladies in here going out of town? Going to Lake Tahoe? All right, awesome. And then, uh, guys, you'll be here. You'll be bringing your kids. It's okay if their hair isn't done. I won't tell you uh, if their hair isn't done perfect. Uh, You just bring them as they are. Bring them in their pajamas. We'll throw them in there with our kids' ministry. And it will be a great, great time. But then Dudley will be here uh, two weeks from now, and you'll look forward uh, to that. I'll be here with you as well that same week. But we've been in uh, five weeks now. This is our fifth week of this series called Walls Fall Down. And the background is that the people, the Hebrew Israelites, were in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. I mean, picture like our heritage in our country with the bane of slavery, and you walk back, the Hebrew people have been in slavery for 400 years, and they cried out to God, they cried out for freedom, they wanted freedom from their slavery, freedom from what they were, the oppression that they were experiencing, and God miraculously freed them from Egypt, has them wander out into the desert, as they're in the desert, they're about to take the promised land, they send spies in, they don't think they can make it. They said the people are too big, the walls are too big, it's just too scary, we don't have enough training, we don't have enough people, and there were only two guys who believed that they could take the city, that they could take the promised land, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Well, 
God got upset with the people that they didn't believe that God could do what only God could do. And so he sent them wandering in the desert for 40 years. And during that time, they complained. They complained before the Lord, and God didn't like complaining at all. And so he said, you're going to wander for 40 years until this generation passes away, except for Caleb and Joshua. So Moses has died, the whole generation has died, only Joshua and Caleb are now alive. Joshua is now the leader of the people. So they cross the Jordan River, it's at flood stage, but they get the priests, and the priests step into the river with the Ark of the Covenant. And then when they step in, the, the river parts, just like all those years before, God parted the Red Sea so the slaves from Egypt could escape. And they parted the river Jordan, and they walked across on dry land, and they get on the other side, and they come up to the first city, the, the first fortress that they're going to face, and it's a city called Jericho. This city, Jericho, had double walls, and they were so wide that people had their apartments or homes in the walls. They would live in the walls, and they could defend from there. And these walls were massive, and they were, they were double walls. There was a gap in between, so if you breached the first wall, you could fall victim to being killed between the first and second wall, attempting the second wall. They were serious about their homeland security. And so they had a great fortress there. And Joshua and the people come up to this fortress, and God says, I'm going to give you that fortress into your hand, but you've got to do what I tell you to do. It was a double-walled city. I don't know what impossible situation you're facing in your life right now. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be your security. It might be your health. It may be in some area of your life, but there is an impossible situation that you just feel like, I just, I can't, you might say there's too much history that's been going on too long in my life. The addiction could be too strong. There could be some impossible situation in your life. And I don't know what that is, but oftentimes our impossible situations are double-walled. Sometimes the, the first wall is we think, if I just do this, it'll fix it. And you tried that, and guess what? It didn't fix it. Sometimes the first wall is the situation. Sometimes the second wall is you or me. That we basically say, well, I, maybe I traded that relationship for this one, but guess what? The wall still exists because I just brought it with me. I brought my own problems with me. It didn't change. Changing jobs, changing locations, changing people didn't change the situation because the impossible situation sometimes deals as much with us as it does with the obstacle that we're facing. Here's what I want you to do. This morning, I want all of us to take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you just to pray a very simple but profound prayer this morning. I want you just to ask God to give you ears to hear what he wants to say to you this morning. Will you just pray that simple prayer right where you're seated? You just pray, God, give me ears to hear what you want to say to me today. And so God... We know that you hear our prayer. We know that you want to communicate to us oftentimes more than we want to hear. And so we open ourselves to you. We make ourselves teachable to what your Holy Spirit would impress upon us today, God. You be the leader. You be the guide. We want what you want for our lives. We step aside as you teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, i got to begin by asking you a couple questions because we all struggle in life and we all struggle with different things and in different ways. And I'm going to ask you to participate here a little bit today. So I need you to raise your hand when it applies to you. I need to know uh, how many of you in this room, how many of you have ever struggled eating the right kind of food? Okay, ever struggled? Okay, okay, some of you in the room. How many of you in the room, you eat Oreos every day and you could care less? Raise your hand. This is rubbish. Yeah, he says, they're all young. I see that. That's awesome. They're all, it won't last, let me tell you. How many of you have ever struggled with being or staying on a budget financially? Come on, be honest, right? Staying with a budget. Yes, some of you double hands over here. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. Yes. How many of you have ever struggled with consistency in exercise? All right, all over the place, hands all over, just struggling with that. Right. How many of you, and I'm going I'm to ask you this, this is, you know, a tough question, but I'm going to ask you, how many of you, be honest, how many of you have ever texted while driving? Be honest. All right, we've got some CHP in the office like to talk to you <laughs> right afterwards. No, I'm kidding. How many of you, let me ask you, this is serious, how many, how many of you in here, be honest, how many of you have ever texted during one of my sermons. I want to see the hands. There they are. Right on, right on. Well, I encourage you to. And if you text, I want you to text something helpful that you learn in here today to somebody who's not in here today so that they would get engaged or inspired to be here next time. Feel free to text all you want to stuff because sometimes what you write to somebody, just a moment of thought, something you're like, oh, they're not here to hear it. Well, you let them know and it just may inspire them to be here next time. How many of you have ever said uh, in here, all right, I'm going to read my Bible every single day for an entire year, and it lasted about two weeks. Come on, be honest. Yep. Right. Consistency is hard, right? Consistency is tough. Our successes and our failures are determined by our ability to be consistent. It's those little things. It's not the big decisions we make. It's not the large boasts or the heavy goals or the New Year's resolutions. It's the little consistency that we, that's where we see success to be consistent I want to share with you today three things that you need to do every single day in your life in order to have victory when it comes to your impossible situations. Three things. If you're taking notes today, there's an outline in your program. I highly encourage you to. Number one, the first thing you and I need to do is hear the plan. Hear the plan. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the first thing we do is we got to go to God. We got to hear what the plan is. God, I'm facing this impossible situation, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. And God, I I need your help, but, but I'm supposed to play some part in it. So what do you want me to do? The first thing you and I need to do is hear the plan. And this is what Joshua said in uh, Joshua 6, beginning with verse 6. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. And all this time, the trumpets were sounding. 
Okay, the first thing that they do is they get the plan from Joshua. They hear what he tells them to do. And they get in their big lineup. And they, they go out and they march around the city one time that first day. Nobody says a word. No one's a mutter, no one's a complain, no one's he's a bunch of complainers. You don't want to happen with your parents, right? So just no one say a word. We're going to march around the city, and what's going to happen is we're going to go back out and camp in the desert. But all that time, the only sound that's happening is that these trumpets are blowing, and the, the first thing that happens is you and I need to hear the plan. Nothing good happens in your life or mine until we have ears to hear, and when we say that phrase, ears to hear, we don't really mean your ears, because how many of you have said something to your son or daughter, and they did not follow through, right? All of us, right? We just go, they, they, they heard some sound, but they didn't obey. Ears to hear is a phrase that's used in the scripture often to mean that we hear to the point where our heart is willing to obey, that God, I'm open, I'm teachable. I'm transparent. I'm willing for you to speak into my life. And the first thing that you and I need to have are ears to hear because nothing good happens until we have ears to hear. That's why for a lot of us, we go to the doctor and the doctor has to tell us the truth in a way that we don't like so that we have ears to hear. Your cholesterol is too high. He gets you all, you know, you're overweight. You got to do this. You need to get out and exercise. You, and the doctor will say things sometimes kind of mean to you because if he doesn't, you and I won't have ears to hear. And if we blow the doctor off, like, I don't care what the doctor says, I'm going to listen, then at some point your body is going to tell you in a way that you definitely don't like. It's going to wake you up and give you ears to hear, right? Because nothing good happens until we have ears to hear. How many of you have kids and you have told them what to do? And, and it's why you and I get down. They don't do it. And then you and I get down and down. We get on their eye level and we're like, listen, listen, listen. You need to understand what I'm saying. And, and you get really like right in their face. You got to just, because what you said before, they didn't have ears to hear. But suddenly you got to get their attention. You got to give them a, potentially a consequence if they don't do what has been asked of them. And you get them attention. But how beautiful is it when our children have ears to hear? That they're just willing to follow through in that way. And the first thing you and I need to do is have to ears to hear. And so the command that's given, basically, Joshua gives some instructions. But the command is really this. And, and I think the command God gives you and me is this. Listen, listen, listen. He's saying, listen up. Don't just have a form of obeying. But listen to what the plan is. Listen. He's saying, listen up. Hear the plan. Don't just beg me for a plan and then run away and do it yourself because you were going to do it on your own anyway. You're facing this impossible situation. God's saying, are you willing to hear the plan? Are you willing to seek me? Or are you just going to keep trying and failing and trying and failing on your own? Are you willing to hear the plan? So the first thing we have to do is listen. And what do we do? How do we do that? You say, God, I'm facing an impossible situation. What should I do about this? What should I do? And we think of all sorts of things maybe we should do, and we think oh, I should get some counsel. And let me tell you, the first thing that you and I should do is run to our Bible. We should say, God, I'm facing this impossible situation. Your word is living. It's active. It's timeless. It's for all generations of all times. And your word would actually apply to my impossible situation today. But what happens? We run. We don't often run to the Word of God. We run to maybe, maybe we run to a non-Christian friend. 
And we begin to express them, and they say, well, here's what I think you should do. And we run to somebody who just doesn't know God, and, and you run to a friend. Or some of you, you run to your horoscope. And you say, well, maybe it will give me some, some glimpse into today or tomorrow because of what the horoscope says. And it's idolatry, really, but we run to that. Or you run to a palm reader and say, maybe this human person, who, by the way, can't see tomorrow, but maybe they can project to me and give me some confidence by reading stuff that doesn't actually work about what tomorrow holds and we commit idolatry. Some of us run to gadgets. The latest gadget, if I could just get that, my life would be better. I could have more significance, meaning some of us run to drugs. Some of us run to alcohol. Some of us run to a self-help book in some particular area. If I could just get some new twist on the same old thing, I could figure it out. And some of you, some of you, you actually run. You run to your pastor. And let me tell you, there are certain times that you need to talk to a pastor and process some things out and work through some things. But let me tell you, before you run to your pastor, your pastor is going to want to know, did you run to the word of God? Did you run to the word of God first? And so you need to. You need to run. I don't know where your Bible is at your house. Maybe it's on a coffee table or maybe it's on a bookshelf or it's on your nightstand. But whatever it is, you need to run. You need to like run and book into your house. And, and your kids are like, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm running. I'm running to the Bible. And then if it's on your phone, you just got to pick up your phone. You got to grab it out and you got to ignore your text and you got to go straight to your Bible app and get on there and look at the Bible and begin to look at God's word. You need to run to God's word. That's the first place that we need to run. But what happens is a lot of times when you and I run to God, we don't run to his word. We run to him. And what we do is we begin talking to God. We begin just talk, 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 talk. And half of our talk is arguing with God. We're telling him how it should be, what we want. God, where are you? And it's okay to bring legitimate, constructive complaint to God. He's the best listener. He's so patient. But you're not going to hear the plan. I'm not going to hear the plan until you and I, this is the second point, stop arguing with God. See, our mentality is that we're entitled. What happened to the Hebrew people? They left slavery. When you're a slave, guess what? You have no say. You don't get to vote. You get nothing. You have no say as a slave, right? They move out of slavery across into the desert where they suddenly have freedom. And what do they begin to do? Well, God, we're free now. Now, now, now we have a say, but now we want to say about what we eat. God, now we want to have a say about what we do. God, yeah, I think you need to do this faster. God, this is ridiculous. And they begin to complain. They begin to walk through. They begin to do like you and I do, right? We get discontent. They move from slavery to the slavery of entitlement, just like our culture. We move from slavery to all sorts of things, and then we flip-flop to the entitlement that everything should go our way and things should happen faster, and we, we begin arguing with God. Talk, 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 talk. And we need to stop. We need to pause. And begin to listen. Hear the plan. Listen up. Stop arguing with God. I want you to know something. That cry of your heart, that, that cry of your heart that's in anguish, maybe, maybe you've done something wrong and you just, you're like, oh, and you just, that cry of your heart, 
that cry of your heart to want to be better, to have a life that follows more fully, a life that just is pleasing to God, that, that cry of your heart is actually you telling you to stop arguing with God. Because you're living a certain way, you're behaving a certain way, and your behavior is taking its toll, and the cry of your heart comes out, and in that moment, that cry of your heart is really you telling you, stop arguing with God. Pause, listen, hear his plan, especially when it comes to your impossible situation. Now, some of you in the room are like, that's ridiculous. Listen to God. What is, what is that? I've got a friend, and my friend's facing an impossible situation right now. He's in trouble with the law. His kids just got seized by CPS. The cars at his house got impounded. Uh, he's healing from some injuries he sustained. And he would say, if I told my friend, hey, you just need to stop, and, and his, his girlfriend actually tells him, this, you, need, you just need to stop and listen to God. And he goes, listen to God? That's, that's foolishness. It, it makes no sense to him. What are you talking about? See, because when you and I hide behind our pride, our self-sufficiency, and we're facing this self-imposed, sometimes impossible situation, we say, listen to God, that's foolishness. What we're really saying is, I believe I can do this. And you can't. You need the Lord. And you and I need to stop arguing with God about how it should be. And we need to begin to say, God, okay, I'm going to show up like a good soldier. What are my marching orders? I need, God, to hear the plan. Give me ears to hear. I think I have a pretty good life. Love my family. Love my job. Um, love where we live. I think I have a pretty good life. But I'll be honest with you. The most fulfilling times in my life, the most deep, intimate, fulfilling times in my life are when I get alone with God and his word, and I begin to read God's word, I begin to listen to God's word, not for my sermon, but just to listen to God for what he has to say. And I begin to hear and communicate with him. I hear from his word. I begin to respond to it. It's a living, active word of God. It changes me. It's, it's not stagnant. It's not some book you read it once, one and done. This is a living, active book. And I begin to read that in my times alone with God. And this is with God who's been with me. He knows my whole life. He's always been with me. He knows the depths of my sin. He knows the goodness of the character he's produced in me. This is God who will reminisce with me. This is a God who has never left you. This is a God who loves you dearly. The most fulfilling times in your life will be when you run to his word. You say, God, give me ears to hear. Sometimes you run to his word out of obligation, but you've stopped up your ears. I'll read it, but you and I have more access to biblical interpretation than any generation in the history of the world. Believe me, I went to seminary before the internet. So I did three years full-time grad school before the internet came out. Man, seminary would have been a breeze. If I had the internet these days and the access to Bible study tools that you and I have access to. We need to run 
to the word of God. We need to hear the plan and we need to stop arguing with God so that you and I have ears to hear. Here's the truth. God is not intimidated by your impossible situation. You look out and you're like, God, how are you going to step in? I, I just see no way out. This has been going on too long. It's too big. The walls are too high. And God says, listen, have you seen the stars? I just said a word and they existed. They birthed from that point and they existed. In fact, I know every one of their names. And they display my glory. Haven't you seen the stars? See, God is not intimidated by your impossible situation. He's not intimidated by a river at flood stage. He can part it by his power when the people follow his plan. And God can do the same in your impossible situation. But you and I need to have ears to hear. We've got to be willing to turn away from our self-sufficiency, willing to turn away from our very small view of God and what God's supposed to do and be. And we need to look and say, he is an almighty God, a big God, a magnificent God. And we need to believe that he wants to invest in us, that he cares for us and cares about our impossible situation. That's the God who loves you. We need to have ears to hear. Because it's then that God walks with us. We do our part, but God walks with us as he begins to bring out his answer to our impossible situation. So first, we've got to hear the plan. If you're taking notes, secondly, we need to follow the plan. We need to follow the plan. Have you ever seen a coach pull over the team to the sideline or to, you know, and, and he begins to coach them and, and say, hey, you need to do this, 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 and he draws up the play maybe on a board or he calls what the play number is and he, and he says, sends the team back out there. Well, they've just heard the plan. They've got it. But now they've got to follow the plan. And, and I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think it would be very difficult to be a, a coach because, you, you know, you go out there and you tell these people what they need to do, and then oftentimes it's youth or their college students or whatever. I mean, I, I look at these high-paid football coaches at this time of year on the sideline, and they're entrusting the plan and their job securities on the line, and they entrust it to college students who sometimes aren't known to be the most responsible in following the plan, Right? That's why we got guidance counselors. That's why we got all sorts of things to help us get our degrees. We needed them too. We remember what it was like to be a college student. And yet, you and I, having heard the plan, need to begin to follow the plan. The command that God gives is simply this. It's, it's left, right, left, right. And when he tells the people of Israel what to do, it's march. You get up behind the ark, you got the armies, and you're just going to walk. You're going to march. Here we go. Left, right, left, right. You're going to begin to walk back and forth, and you go around the city, and you nobody says a word, and only the trumpets are playing. That's the only thing that's happening, and you're going around the city one day, and you go back out into the desert, and you camp for the night. But you got to get up and begin to walk left, right, left, right, and then you need to change your mentality. You say, well, well God, I, you know, I, I want to see some progress here, but God is saying, listen, our mentality has changed. It's one day at a time. Only one day at a time. Let me ask you a question. Could you be a better parent just today? Of course we could. We could say, just today, I'll be a better parent. 
Forget all the you know, history, if you, if you got upset at your kids at different times. But just today, could you be a better parent just today? Could you read your Bible just today? Sure we could. We totally could read our Bible just today, right? Could you get off your addiction just today? Or for a few hours today, could you just do that today? Could you just take that first step? Could you, could you just begin to walk left, right, left, right? Could you be a better spouse today? You say, oh, Dave, you don't know how she's disrespected me. Yeah, but could you, could you just today be loving toward her and understanding toward her? Could you do that just today? You probably could. You say, oh, Dave, you don't know my husband. You don't know how unloving he's been toward me. Could you show him respect today? Just today, could you show him some respect? Sure you could. Just today, could we do that? We begin to think one day at a time. Just one day. Why? Because the truth is, today is all you have. All you have is today. All you and I have is today. Have you ever done something a day before that you wish you could undo? And you could not undo that because yesterday was gone. It's already in the past. Do you realize the most rich and powerful person in the world could not pay enough money or leverage enough influence to relive yesterday? Yesterday's gone. So we can't do that. All we've got is today. But we live today like we're going to live forever. We think we're going to go on and on and on, but our, our head knows statistically that's not true. But we live like we're going to live forever and ever, and then we begin to worry about tomorrow, don't we? Well, yeah, God, I can start walking today, but, but God, you, I mean, this situation's impossible. You don't know how big those walls are. You don't know how long this has been going on. God, you don't know all the yesterdays. God, you, and you begin to just argue with God and just think nothing can happen. And God's saying, could, could, could you just walk today? Could you just follow the plan? Could you just walk a little bit in that today? No one can redo yesterday. And tomorrow is not a guarantee. It's not. Life is a vapor. And God says, in fact, we're not to worry about just some of the basic necessities of tomorrow because God loves you and he knows that you need them and he'll provide them for you. But we worry about all sorts of things, don't we? Worry about all the tomorrows. Yeah, but God, what if, what if I'm walking and, and a brick falls off the wall and it, what it was, the walls fall down and one of those things hits me? I mean, you know, you begin to just think, all the what ifs. God, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And God's going, listen, all you have is today. All you've got to worry about is today, so stick with the plan. And that's point number three. Stick with the plan. So not only do we hear the plan, not only do we begin to follow the plan, but now we've got to stick with it. We've got to stay with it. You can't just start to exercise and then stop, but you, we're going to start this exercise thing called walking around the city. God's saying, listen, walk with me and watch me begin to do great things. So interesting, when you take people on a mission trip, there's always what we call day five of the mission trip. Day five is, you've been in the country or wherever five days, um, culture shock has kicked in for sure, as you're in this country, um, you've been living with each other, you've been out of your situation, you've been traveling around with each other, um, day five is typically where you hit it and you're tired of being polite to each other. You're like, you told me that story two days ago. Um, you smell, you need to go, you know, get some deodorant on, or you know what, um, I think you need to do it this way, and I don't think you handled that situation well. We, we've become very short, we've become very, very touchy with each other on day five. 
But we always prep our teams. Listen, there's a day five coming. And when that comes, here's a better way to respond to it. And we'll address it for what it is. But we're just going to say, hey, can just stick to the plan. You know what? You've heard the plan. We've been following it for five days now. Just be flexible. Stick with the plan. And it helps people get through day five. Some of you go on vacation with your family. You might need to have the day two talk. Some of you travel with kids. You might need the hour five talk with your kids. Yes, we're still in the car, and no, we're not there yet. But we'll get there someday, right? We just need to say, kids, we need, when that situation comes, when that tension comes, we stick with the plan. Here's the plan. Verse 10 of chapter 6 of Joshua. Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Flip ahead with me. So on the second day, this is verse 14, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did this for six days. And on the seventh day, verse 20, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Joshua says, stick to the plan. We see from our venue, we see from our viewpoint how the story ends. We see that they go and what happens when they walk around it, but I got to tell you, that there's something very interesting in this story. Earlier, God tells Joshua, here's the plan, and here's what I'm going to do. And God says, march around the city six times, and on the seven, six days, once a day, and on the seventh day, seven times, and then you give the loud shout, and I will give you the city. I've already given it to you. God gives Joshua the plan. But I've read this story. I have studied this story. I've been camped out in this story for some time, and here's something that is amazing. Joshua never tells the people how long they're going to march around the city. He never tells them how many days. All they have is today. All they know is we're going to march around the city. So we get there, we start marching, we're in line, we're marching around the city, we're facing this impossible situation, and as we're marching around, we're not allowed to say any words, nobody talk, nobody say anything. Only sound going on is the brass section up front. And we march around the city, we go back to camp and we camp for the night now i imagine it's day five you know that there are sidebar conversations going on at camp hey uh you know you're like hey uh sergeant i don't mean i know i'm just a private lowly private but i just gotta be honest with you this is the plan i mean we've been doing this for like five days now and, and, and I've been looking, man, I'd like, I've just been hoping, I mean, every time I've been marching around Sarge, I mean, I've just been hoping, like, a, a brick would get loose, and just, you know, one, one of them would fall, or like, some mortar would start to peel away, something, but nothing, and we're doing this every day, I mean, they are basically figuring out where we are, they're dialing us in, we're all going to get shot with an arrow anyway, they're just going to, you know, kill us, right, we're just marching around out in the open, we don't got our shields up, we're just marching, 
Sarge tries to call him, hey, stick to the plan, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. He probably goes up to his supervisor, says the same thing. Probably works all the way up to Joshua, and Joshua's like, stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. And they walk around there. And how many times do you and I do that? We're facing our impossible situation. We begin to walk with the Lord, and we're like, Lord, I just need something. One little answer to prayer. One little breakthrough. I just need to see some turning, some change in that person or in this situation or in my circumstances. God, I need something somewhere. Just give me something little. We begin to beg. And God's saying, listen, all you have to do is today follow the plan. Stick to the plan. Will you keep honoring God with the first? Like we talked about last week. Even after one paycheck, will you still keep honoring God with the first? Or do you go, oh, I don't know, God, I did lap one. That was scary. But I got the rest of the laps, Lord, right? No, no, what do you do? No, you stick with the plan. Will you keep praying? Will you keep praying and praying and praying till there's a breakthrough? Let me tell you, that's what we do with prayer. We pray until there's a breakthrough. God changes us in prayer, and he's also working on our circumstances. But so often we go, you know what, Lord, five laps in, I, I just quit praying. I just stopped praying. I just, I'm just, I'll show up and march, but I just stopped believing or stopped praying. We've got to have a change of our mindset. You start reading the Bible. God, I did it for two weeks. Uh, I stopped for a week. Well, guess what? Begin again. Stick to the plan. All you do is begin again. There's no shame. God doesn't condemn. He says, walk with me. Hear the plan. Run to your Bible. Come to me. Hear the plan. Walk with me. But how many times you and I get to the point where we're like, you know what? I just can't stand my job. I'm, I'm just out. And there are good times to leave a job, but there are also bad times. How many times have we gotten, Lord, Lord, I just haven't seen enough progress in, in my marriage. Uh, you know, I'm just, I've done this for long enough. I, I gave that person the first X number of years, but, but I'm out. I'm out. Some of us in the room saying, you know, my love, my love was never returned to me. It wasn't reciprocated, and I'm depressed, and, and God, I'm so upset, and so I'm, I'm just going to check out. The command God gives the people is this. Let us not become weary. And let me qualify that for just a minute. Let us not become weary. But you say, we all get tired. I mean, how many times have you been like, I, you hear this phrase, I just feel life tired. You ever heard that phrase? I, just, I don't know why I'm tired. I must just be life tired. Like life has cumulatively overwhelmed me and gotten me tired. And we feel that way sometimes. But this says, let us not become weary, but let's be clear about what? Not become weary about what? Paul shows us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What's he saying? That there's a mind shift, mindset shift that we need to walk and, and say this. The mindset shift for us is never, never, never give up. Never, never, ever, never give up. Write it down as many times as you want. The change is the mindset. 
I never give up. Did I miss a few days? Yeah, I will never give up. I'm going to continue. Did I, did I walk? Am I praying to God? Don't give up. You keep praying. You pray through till there's a breakthrough in your situation. And it may take a long time. But here's the beautiful thing you need to realize. The truth is, picture this, your blessing, it, it could be just around the corner. It could be around the next corner of the fortress. You're walking around the walls of the city and, and, and they don't know what day they're going to be told to shout. All they know is we can't shout and we're doing this. We're following the plan. We're sticking to the plan. But all of a sudden, day seven, something different happens. Day seven, we're taking two laps. We're seeing some progress here. Three laps, four laps, five laps, six laps, seven laps. And then they shout and God does the unthinkable. Could you imagine if they stopped and quit day five? Forget it. Going back into the desert. Their blessing was right around the corner. So never give up. Imagine if you prayed through till you saw a breakthrough. Imagine if you stopped arguing with God and you, you began to say, I will hear, I will give me ears to hear. And that may be your biggest prayer today. God, you just give me ears to hear because I've, I've been stiff-arming you. I've been putting you at a distance. I've made you a cognitive function, not a relational part of my life. Give me ears to hear you. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? And let me tell you, the hardest step, the hardest step in this whole situation is the first step. The, the hardest step is for the, them to all get up and, and march that first day and, ha, and see nothing done for it. The hardest step was that first step. And for some of you, the hardest step is the first step to give your life to Christ. But let me tell you, he understands what that's like. Because the hardest step for Jesus was not grabbing his cross and, and, and picking it up and carrying it as far as he could until he collapsed. That was not the hardest step for Jesus. The hardest step for him was not being tied to a post and flogged, whipped. Until his ribs were exposed, that wasn't the hardest step for him. The hardest step for Christ was not offering himself up to be, to be arrested. That wasn't the hardest step for him. The hardest step for him was in the garden on his face before the Father saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he pictured your salvation, your life, my life, your heart, you reconciled with God and living relationship with him. You coming to the place where you have forgiveness of sins because of Jesus and what he was about to do on the cross. And Jesus is saying, as he's, as he's there in anguish and agony, he is sweating drops of blood. He is in such distress. And the hardest step for him was to get up off his knees and take that first step because he loved you and he loves me. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, all around the room, as we just focus on our own life just for a moment, I want to just ask, believer in the room, your decision point today, the point where if I asked you to raise a hand, you would make a decision and then raise your hand, uh, it would be this, that just today, you would respond to what that first step is. I believe God's Holy Spirit has been calling you to a first step when it comes to your impossible situation. And today, I want you simply to respond back to God. You make a decision point. Will you take that first step? Can you just do that today? 
that's your decision point, but I believe in the room that there's people here, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given yourself to him. You've never said yes to Jesus. And when you do, because you realize that the death of Jesus paid for your blood, on the, it paid for it on the cross for your sin, all your sins to be washed away, to, for you to be made white as snow, for him to give you his Holy Spirit and you become a new person, a new creation on the inside. You're still you, but oh my goodness, you have God's Holy Spirit helping you in areas that your motivation falls down and you begin to live as one who is valuable, loved, deeply cherished, and is righteous. And if today that's you, you're saying, God, my first step is saying yes to you. And if that's you today, you pray a prayer right where you're seated. God hears you. You just pray after me. You just repeat like this. Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, all of it. I believe you died on the cross, that you were buried in the grave and that you rose to new life, that you were God. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sin because of your taking the penalty I deserved. And so today, Jesus, right now, I take the first step and I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.